You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. For the first time in 60 years, some 21,000 days, according to one of our producers, Jake Neer, you might see a streetcar moving along the streets of Detroit. M1 Rail began testing the Q-Line cars along the new rails on Woodward Avenue yesterday morning. Service, actual service, where you could get on and off, the streetcar is scheduled to begin next spring. The business leaders and foundations who are funding the streetcar say it's going to spur economic development and provide a needed link between downtown and midtown. And, of course, uh, there is the prospect that we could grow this system from just Woodward Avenue to other uh, spurs here in the region or go further along Woodward Avenue up to 8 Mile or maybe even as far as Pontiac. Of course, not everyone, though, is excited about the project. Skeptics say it'll turn out to be not much more than what we have with the People Mover, a circle that just goes around downtown and something that few people use on a regular basis. According to an article written by one of my next guests, those critics might find uh, examples in Cincinnati, where a modern streetcar service opened earlier this year to much acclaim and much excitement. But according to a story in City Lab, uh, Cincinnati now has a streetcar problem. Joining me to talk about this issue are Bill Shea. He's a reporter at Crane's Detroit Business. And David Dudley, who is the senior editor of City Lab, he recently wrote that article that was titled... Cincinnati has a streetcar problem. Bill and David, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, David, I want to start with you because of uh, the the title of this article. I I thought I found it very interesting. I uh, have heard a lot about the streetcar line in Cincinnati, and the certainly heard all of the excitement uh, when it debuted earlier this year. I guess I was surprised to read uh, this article that says now all of a sudden. Uh, there are issues that are coming up that I guess weren't properly anticipated uh, by the planners there in uh, in Cincinnati. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, sure. I uh, and I, I shared some of that enthusiasm. I, I, w- I was in Cincinnati over the summer, and I was uh, I was there again a couple weeks ago. And uh, as a as a as a transit enthusiast and a streetcar fan, I wanted to see the thing. And uh, um, it's a very handsome system. The the the, the stations are, are are beautifully designed, and uh, there's a lot of activity downtown. And they're having some sort of rollout bugs that are affecting their ridership numbers. They're only drawing about half uh, what they were expecting uh, for the month of November. And uh, I think it's it, there's sort of big picture problems and small picture ones. Uh, some of these uh, problems are related to sort of uh, kind of growing pains. You know, the ticket machines weren't working well for the first uh, couple of months. Uh, it looks like they're, they're, they've made some progress in fixing that. So uh, the, the bigger issue, I think, for Cincinnati is that they are not getting the cars moving on time. Uh, the, uh, the real-time uh, estimates of when your, your streetcar shows up aren't very accurate. And uh, the cars are running late, and you can't really rely on them as a way to get around, which is really kind of among their primary functions. Um, these are fixable problems. You know, uh, there, the, there are, are things you can do with timing your traffic lights uh, so that you can get these things out of traffic. Um, so it's not insurmountable. Uh, and, uh, you know, the weather probably plays a part, too. This, sure. this is a, a system that debuted uh, in September. 
and uh, had a very strong September. And then as as the temperatures drop, you see the you see the, the curve go down and down. Uh, so uh, they're they, you know they, they've got a lot of reasons to be optimistic. The system is there; it, it will work. It's possible that, it'll, that it can work, and there, there does seem to be psychologically still a lot of enthusiasm for it. But they do have some some fixes to deal with. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, uh, give give our listeners here uh, an idea of what this uh, line does, where it goes. Uh, and what it's expected to do in Cincinnati, my sense is it is very, very similar to what we're doing here uh, in Detroit and, and literally moves between uh, two very similar areas uh, in, in that city. Yeah, it's, it, it's probably not, not dissimilar, and it, it does follow a kind of a model we've seen in lots of cities uh, since uh, in the last decade or so where we're seeing these new second-generation streetcar lines. Uh, that have appeared really in the wake of, of Portland's success, Portland, Oregon. Um, so the Cincinnati uh, line is, uh, I think it's about three miles long, and it, it connects a, a whole suite of downtown attractions. Uh, their stadiums, uh, uh, their Fountain Square area, and uh, connects that to the Findlay Market, which is a big, uh, big attraction, and goes all the way up to uh, a neighborhood called Over the Rhine, uh, which has experienced a whole bunch of a really remarkable resurgence in the last uh, 10, 15 years. And there's a lot of uh, places to eat and places, uh, places to drink and a lot of nightlife activity there. And uh, it really, you know, it, it should, and when it works correctly, it will, I think, uh, kind of link up a whole suite of museums and attractions and, and tourist uh, uh, amenities that are also used by a, a growing number of people who live downtown which is something you didn't see in Cincinnati uh, a decade or two ago. Right. There's, there's a, a, a resurgence in people who are, who are uh, moving back. And uh, the hope is that they will use this as a way to kind of uh, go about their business and in, in this sort of frictionless way uh, be able to uh, uh, get around without their cars, yeah. which is something that so many downtowns are, are working towards. Sure. Uh, Bill Shea, uh, you're, uh, of course, a reporter at Cranes Detroit Business. You've written a lot about uh, the M1 or the Q line or whatever we want to call it. Uh, you're also an Ohio native. Uh, I, I am. <laughs> I, I grew up in Cincinnati. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, so, uh, so you're familiar with uh, what's going on there, too, I would imagine. Yeah. You know, with yeah family I, uh, and friends. I was a Lakota Thunderbird in suburban Cincinnati <laughs> back in the 80s. And. Uh, uh, he's right. Uh, we didn't go downtown back then, unless it was a, you know, a, I was a Cleveland fan. But we'd go to Reds yeah. games, or yeah. Bengals Browns games, and then you left, kind of like Detroit. You right. came in, you see your game, or you go to your play, and you leave. And that's changed. Over the Rhine was a place you never went back in the '80s, and it has uh, done a 180 completely. So I get the the streetcar, the desire to, you know, after like you said, Portland, the success in there, and other cities. Then it made sense, like, yeah. hey, we can connect these areas, mass transit, um, so let's do it. And you know. So compare what they're doing there to what we're doing here and, and talk about whether some of these hiccups that they're seeing uh, are in our near future, given that uh, we're on just a couple, few months away from uh, our streetcars running. Yeah, I, I know the M1 Rail folks have, have paid close attention to Cincinnati um, and uh, I, I think some of those those problems Cincinnati has faced very well could happen here. Um, 
and the uh, we have the added benefit, or, or maybe benefit's not the right word, of big snowstorms. Right. Cincinnati doesn't get that much snow, I can right. tell you that, right. so compared to here. Um, and when the when they rolled the, the Q-Line car out yesterday, before that happened, I drove up part of Woodward just to see, you know, had they plowed, and they had, and there was guys with shovels and, and little tractors getting snow <laughs> out of the way because those cars don't have plows on them. Those street cars don't. So they are going to rely on the, the city. They need the road to be clear. Yeah, they, yeah, it has to be. I mean, they could get through, I think, a couple inches just like a car could, but there's going to be have to be close coordination because without it, those cars are going to be stuck. And there's a lot of stoplights on Woodward. And that issue of timing is absolutely critical. The trains have to run on time. So so how do you make sure that that that, that happens? Will they have signal control on these trains? Yeah, signal priority. um, And and part, you know, there's always going to be that that sort of rough birth period as, you know, we haven't had streetcars here in in three generations. So, you know, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, people knew how to operate around streetcars. We're going to have to learn as motorists and pedestrians to operate around these cars. And because they're co-mingled with traffic, you know, that's a real concern. Um, You know, and the issue of people parking on the tracks is a big issue. You can't like, oh, I need to run in to get something. I'll just leave my car here like I've done for 100 years. Well, if you do that now, you're going to block a train and you're going to get a $650 ticket. Um, so it's it's that sort of behavior the public has to kind of grow into. Um, but, I, I, you know, with any system anywhere, it's never an easy birth. It's yeah. never just, oh, it's perfect and it runs on time. There'll be some hiccups and, you know, we'll watch the, the ridership data. Um, and just, you know, and part of it is just what, you know, you don't know the behaviors of people until the train is there and running and, and see how they use it. And yeah. then you adjust accordingly. Yeah. Uh, we have an interesting question uh, from Ed on Facebook. He says, how do we define success for this project? I think that's a really interesting question because uh, there has been some real criticism of this line because it's 3.3 miles, I think, between uh, Grand Boulevard and and downtown. Most people in the city, let alone the region, won't have a cause to use it every day. For instance, for commuting. Uh, so, so how do you how do you determine that something like this is then worth the investment that uh, that's been made in it? I think the most basic uh, metric would be: Are you are you meeting your ridership estimates? And I think they're saying five to eight thousand uh, a weekday on average, which to me seems high. Does that seem high? It it does. What's the ridership uh, per day on the people mover right now? You know, uh, it's it's nowhere. It's not near five that. eight thousand. No. no, it's it's not. Um, and uh, you know, auto show it, it gets crammed. Wings games, stuff like that. But yeah. you know, when Joe Lewis goes away, it, that ridership's going to go down you even won't more. Have the ride from yeah. the parking lots it, uh, exactly in, in the center and, of the you know, city. In defense of the people mover, and this is also, and I don't need to carry their water, but for the queue line too, is the you know the the people that launch those projects never intended them to be just those projects. Right. The, the people mover was supposed to be part of a much wider system. A spur system, right. And, and that died. Yeah. And the M1 guys, you know, I've been writing about this thing for 10 years. <laughs> and they have said from the start, and, in, you know, this was a much bigger system. It got it died. It got scaled back. Um, they said someone else has to pick up the cost for this. Foundations and business can, you know, this is what they can, this is the money we're going to get to build what we've got. Government has to pick up 
the cost to get it to Royal Oak, to get it to Pontiac, to get it on Gratiot, Jefferson, or Michigan Avenues, where it, it needs to go. I wouldn't use it every day if it right. ran by the Cranes building. Sure. Um, but that's not something we can ask GM and Gilbert and the usual suspects and, and Kresge, like, hey, do you, that, that's billions of dollars. To do that. Yeah. I mean, it's not easy to build a, a streetcar system. Right. And we got some funky roads and twists and turns. Yeah. And we've sort of we've missed the opportunities for the kind of federal money that used yeah. to come into cities to help build these these mass uh, systems. Yeah, repeatedly, we couldn't get our act together as a region for the, the myriad reasons um, that we're all very familiar with in Detroit. And, you know, it took us 40 years to get an RTA system and and now we still still are trying to figure out how to fund the thing um so there's a lot of hurdles still to overcome but you know we've we've missed those opportunities you know we had mass transit in this city and when they when they put the tracks in for the queue line they were pulling out the tracks from the old system (laughs) so it's just mind-boggling sometimes uh david dudley uh talk about how this uh, rail line in cincinnati integrates with the larger transit uh, picture there uh are, are there other ways to get uh to to, to places in cincinnati that complement uh, th- this rail line yeah well that's a, i mean this this question of what does success look like is a is a great one because yeah. it's very hard to answer uh so in cincinnati uh it's a very limited line it's uh, i think it's you know three miles or so um it does not function as a a, a primary transit commuting corridor uh, it doesn't really have that role, uh, and most uh, most of these new systems, frankly, don't have that role. I think Portland is really one of the big exceptions in that people use it. You know, fifteen thousand people uh, ride it every day. Wow! So, um, and it's it has a, a network of lines that that serve more than just a, a, a little downtown corridor. So, um, the Cincinnati plan originally involved an extension that went all the way up to the University of Cincinnati, which o- opens it up uh, as more of a of a serious uh, 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 commuting option uh, and opens up a big uh, new market of potential riders. Uh, during the very bruising political battle over uh, the project uh, that uh, saw a lot of um, uh, a lot of resistance from from the state government, uh, from the from the governor uh, John Kasich, mm-hmm. uh, who who uh, turned down some federal funding that, that could have been used to, for the project and had been intended for it. Uh, during the during that process, uh, that that part of the um, uh, of the project disappeared. So there is hope that the uh, part that has been built will be so successful that they'll be able to pursue that extension. Yeah. And most uh, of the advocates I spoke to uh, really feel that is essential, and and that the system they have now is is kind of a uh, it's it's a start. But it, it it was designed to be the spine of a much larger system, yeah. uh, and. Uh, only when you get to that point will you see the kind of ridership numbers that make a streetcar look more like a legitimate alternative to a bus system, which, you know, buses are much more flexible and much cheaper. And much cheaper. Uh, right. And, um, for, you know, from a, from a kind of brutally uh, kind of cold-blooded uh, uh, perspective of, of looking at it as a, as a, as a, as a transit project, uh, streetcars as a, as a family tend to really underperform. Uh, they have a lot of other intangibles, and and they are often touted really more as economic development tools than right. as than as ways to move people around. Yeah. Um, and on that front, they're a lot more successful. Uh, 
So uh, that that question of what does success look like, it may not involve ridership. Uh, it may involve a lot of uh, what economic around, development around the line. Sure, exactly. Yeah. All right, uh, uh, and, when we and that's hard to do. Yeah, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about uh, the light rail here in Detroit, uh, the one that just opened uh, this fall in Cincinnati, and we're going to want to take your calls. What do you think about? streetcars running down Woodward Avenue for the first time in 60 years. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Bill Shea, a reporter at Crane's Detroit Business, and David Dudley, who's a senior editor at City Lab. He recently wrote an article called Cincinnati Has a Streetcar Problem. Uh, that city debuted its streetcar line this fall uh, here in Detroit. For the first time this week, we are seeing streetcars trundle up and down Woodward Avenue as a test uh, in anticipation of a spring opening of the M1 rail or Q-line, as it will be called. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, talk about uh, how you think this is going to work, what you think it might accomplish here in the city of Detroit, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook. Uh, put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Um, Bill, before we, we get to phones, I want to ask you about uh, the, the economic ar- economic development argument here in Detroit. That uh, David talked about how that was one of the things that they're looking at in Cincinnati, and it's not necessarily ridership uh, that will be the measure of that line's success. That That is the idea here as well. Certainly, uh, Kresge Foundation, which has put, I think, the most amount of uh, money into this project, uh, really is focused on the, the the effects it will have on what is already uh, a pretty active uh, economic development uh, revitalization in downtown. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Kresge's put about fifty million into this, um, but yeah, th- that's the the primary driver of this uh, this system is you know this is the the central corridor in downtown, um, and you know. It's what they call TOD, transit-oriented development. You put a train system in, you put a BRT system in, you get development along the line because people see the value of that and want to put their businesses or create things along. Creates foot traffic, creates all kinds of things that we don't really have right now. Yes, it's growing, and this this should theoretically spur that. Um, And we've got, like you said, so much stuff going on along that corridor. The District Detroit with the new hockey arena, the new Little Caesars headquarters will go in, all sorts of new housing and retail and and uh, and stuff like that, and you have this streetcar in the middle of that boosts, um, at least on paper, the idea that even more than we may have uh, gotten otherwise will happen. And, you know, it's the people who have invested in this system, you know, stand to directly benefit, you yeah. know, Olympia and, and Rock and Quicken and 
uh, CompuWare, you know, their employees will use this system yes. to, if, even if it's just to go get lunch yeah. <laughs> um, right. uptown. And, you know, it's sort of that, that benefit that way. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Gary in Midtown. Welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, turn your radio down there, Gary. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Turn it off. Okay, yes. How are you doing today, Stephen? Good, I'm and your good. Guest, yes. Bill, and I forgot the other gentleman. David, David Dudley, yes. Go ahead. David, okay. Well, what, what I thought, and I tried to talk to the RTA about this, I thought if you gave the people mover a little bit more uh, relevance as regard to the M1 rail, by running the track, you you got to stop at Michigan and Cass, right? Uh, if you ran that track down Michigan where it connected to MGM Casino, mm -hmm. that's pretty close to Corktown. Then run a piece of track down third till you get to Grand River and come around and link uh, Motor City, which is off of the grid, and then come back down Temple and connect the Detroit district and back around to the Grand Circus Park. All of a sudden, you've connected all of downtown together. And, and you, you would uh, do this, so you would do this with the, the streetcar or with the people mover? I, I would do that with the people mover to I hook see. it back to the M1 rail, I to give see. the M1 rail and the people mover more relevance. More relevance, okay. You yeah. will have Gary, four, the... all four major teams downtown. Yeah. You got a new development in Brush Park. You got, um, you got new, all of these new residents coming downtown. And now, if you wanted to, and the conventioneers, if you had a, somebody that was in the Renaissance Center, yeah on a convention and you was over at Motor City, you could tell them to get on the people mover and, and come go over. over there. Right. Now, Gary, <laughs> Gary, uh, interesting idea. I, I, I suspect those are the kinds of ideas we will start to see unfold, or at least I hope, uh, once the, the Q line or the M1 is running. But uh, I guess we will have to wait and see. But thanks very much uh, for the call. Trey in Detroit, you're up next on Detroit Today. Hi. We'll, uh, we'll get used to this, but it will take some getting – Used to. I'm reminded that when we had the trolley, which was just barely moving, moving and hardly went anywhere, yeah. it was. It got to be routine after a while that because uh, we let anybody have a driver's license and keep it, <laughs> somebody was running into it every yeah. uh, every few months. <laughs> I'm a little worried about that with the uh, with but the. I'm reminded that uh, American urbanization actually happened around rails over a hundred years ago, 125 sure. or 30 years ago. And it was so busy in the busiest place in Brooklyn that the people who were known as the people who really knew their way around downtown and got their business done anyway were called Dodgers yeah, by right. getting around all the rail, <laughs> rail right. lines in downtown Brooklyn. Uh huh. And that's where the ball club got its name from, right? <laughs> uh, uh, Trey, thanks very much for that uh that little piece of history, that's a, a good reminder of uh, sort of where we all come from on this issue. Uh, thanks again for the call. Uh, Robert in northwest Detroit. Uh, quickly, we've got about a minute left. Uh, go ahead. You there, Hello? Robert? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, you, didn't, you didn't say the name. Uh, my main point, you can't overcharge for this queue line. Our bus fare is already more expensive than other places. Houston's only a dollar. So, you know, so, and then I come back up here, and ours is a dollar fifty, yeah. and then transfers and blah blah blah. Uh, that's a that's you an know? interesting point, and, Robert. Uh, let me let me try to get uh, Bill Shea to answer 
that question before uh, we have to we have to end the show. Bill, how much how much is going to cost the ride? The Q line. The base fare is a dollar fifty, and then you get into it. And I think they're still going to set up the if you want a, a six month, a year long, and there'll be I'm sure corporate deals. If you work at X company, you'll get it discounted. But they'll have the you know like you see with the buses and stuff, yeah. and you'll be able to transfer Exa- yeah. from that to, to, to all the people mover or to the buses yep. or whatever. All right, uh, Bill Shea, reporter at Cranes Detroit Business, David Dudley, senior editor at City Lab. Thank you both for being here on Detroit today. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Absolutely, uh, that's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is one hundred one nine WDET Detroit, Wayne State's public radio station. We'll see you tomorrow.